What is going on, guys? My name is Pat Logic, aka All Things Seahawks, and today we are starting up our new podcast here with Cool Guy Brando. And Yo. we have another person coming on, but he is not available for the night, so we're just going to make about a 20, 30 minute podcast. And uh, we're going to talk about things in the NFL, such as um, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, the trade deadline, which was the big story for today. We're going to talk about things like such as Zeke's court case. And we're going to discuss some of the matchups, not all of them, maybe like one or two. So, cool guy Brando, how's your day today? It's going well. With the addition of Jay Ajayi to the Eagle, I'm feeling pretty confident about our, our, our chances to not only make the playoffs, but go far into the playoffs. The Seahawks, on the other hand, also made a trade to get Dwayne Brown, which we'll talk about more in a few minutes. Uh, Rick, what do you think? What's your overall uh, opinion on that trade as of right now? Well, there's a few ways to feel about it. Like, like we we really needed a tackle because our left tackle was ranked like lowest in the league, as in the worst in the league. So, I feel like we gave up a little much after obviously um, Jeremy Lane fa- failed his physical, so we have to give up a third round pick this year and a second round pick for 2019. So. Uh, we, I feel like it's a little bit, we get to keep lane, but it also takes up a little more cap space than we would like. So there's, there's that, but in terms, I don't really know if lane fits his team anymore. I feel like we've kind of moved on. Like we, we, now that we have Brandon Coleman and Shaq Griffin, and obviously we have Sherman, he's obviously locking down the number one spot. Shaq Griffin has been a top three rookie cornerback this year. So uh, I think it was a good move because I feel like Russell Wilson, you know, left tackle is arguably the, the most important position on the offensive line. Now that we have someone that can actually hold that spot down, it feels a little bit better. I can see your points and why you'd be optimistic for the trade, but here we're going to give both sides of the story. And one of the reasons I'd be concerned about it is that Dwayne Brown is at age 32 right now, and I know they were trying to dump Lane's salary, which is about $2 million, and they weren't able to do that because of the failed uh, the, the failed physical. But I, I look at this from a standpoint of this. Okay, the, obviously Brown hasn't played most of this year because he's holding out for, for a bigger contract. And I don't know, I'm not so sure Seattle is willing to give him that contract either. Because Seattle, obviously, in the, in the past, has not paid their offensive linemen very well. The least amount paid to their offensive linemen, which is probably the most significant part of a team, along with the defensive line. And, and another point you could make is the man's 32 years old. How much of a difference can he really make on the offensive line? Sure, he can dominate one spot, but he doesn't help make the other five look, or the other uh, three or four guys look better. So it's something to think about. Although you're happy, you know, yeah, but. You know, you gotta still think how much of a difference is he really gonna make. The one part that, so in terms of Andrew Whitworth, he's someone who didn't really. He got a pretty big deal, but like, if we look at it last year, look at Todd Gurley's O line last year, and look how poorly he did. But then they add obviously Andrew Whitworth get a little more depth. Now they now Todd Gurley is one of the best running backs this season. So, I feel like. Dwayne Brown, I want to see how he does his first game, and I want to see, like, can we actually get, like, a running game going with Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls, maybe throw him into the mix, definitely maybe J.D. McKissick, and just see how that ends up working out. But, I mean, only time will tell, but we're, we're going to have to see. But just because we got have Dwayne Brown doesn't mean that the rest of our O-line doesn't have to step up and play their own position. It's also pretty clear to me that left tackle has to be 
the most like sought after position in the NFL and a very high price to get a good player. As you see how much Seattle gave up just to get Brown. Um, I, I think it was a bit much for his age, but you know, Seattle done when they did what they thought they had to do to, to make themselves a, a Super Bowl uh, contender. Exactly. And I feel like that's, that's one of the reasons why I feel like this wasn't a bad move because it, like even even if he just stays for two years, because we have him locked up obviously this year, and we have him all locked up for next year. Even if he only stays that two years, that gives us like this draft. If we were to draft a like left tackle, we have somebody that could learn behind Dwayne Brown and learn behind the actually like experienced veteran, who in some cases, who some people consider to be a top ten offensive lineman, which could I I mean I guess we can only see. I mean he he's only played in one game this year where he did play really well against our own pass rush. But I, I want to see a little bit more from him before I start, you know, put him up on a pedestal. I but... Carroll wanted to go all out for this uh, this uh, this year because Seattle's uh, window of where they can win a championship is starting to close. So that the fact that they're try- at least trying to, to make some moves to get them back on the top of the league, it's it's something to think about. It is. So and that's good. that was one of our moves – for, yeah, let's um, move on to the to the Jay Ajayi trade I was talking about earlier. Yeah, let's let's move oh, on to that. So the Dolphins send uh, Jay Ajayi to the Eagles for a fourth round pick. It was it was said that that he had been a locker room issue, and he and Adam Gase didn't get along very well. And overall, I think it was a statement move made by Gase, taking telling his players and his offense that that if they don't start picking it up, they'll be out of there just like Ajayi was. Yeah, and uh, on on the other side of the ball, the Eagles. Howie Roseman continues to make great moves. Uh, the guy's a really good football player. What he, whatever he does on and off or off the field and in the locker room is a different story. We don't really know that because we don't really get the whole behind the scenes. But I, the guy's a really good football player and could very well be the future of the the Eagles' backfield. I totally agree with that. Um, so I've heard some opposing opinions here, and I feel like no matter what, Philadelphia won this trade. Whether no matter what happens, really. But I've heard some people say that although Ajayi, like, he's had obviously three very, you know, very good games as in where he's had 200 yards and, like, two touchdowns or something like that. But some people say, like, behind that, he hasn't really done much. But when he gets hot, he gets hot. And you know, I can kind of see what the they mean by that, that. But I feel like only time, only, like, we have to actually see something from him in an actual, like, obviously in that midnight green uniform before I can start, like, before anybody can start making... Like Another kind of thing judgment to think calls. about, though, for me is that you look at the Miami offensive line and how much Ajayi would make up plays happen on his own without there really being good blocking on the plays. And compared to the Eagles' O line, compared to the Bills o, or the the Miami O line, is is a total di- big different story. So the Eagles' offensive line, I know Peters got hurt, but overall this year as a total unit, they're looking like one of the better ones in the league. And we'll see how he can do. We'll see. One of the things I, I worry about is how much touches he gets and how he takes that. Because for the most part, this Eagles team has been not selfish at all. And they've really come together and not caring who gets the most snaps. But as long as they're winning games, everybody's happy. We'll see if Ajayi can really uh, can can bear with that. I don't know why he wouldn't. but Because what I heard was even when he would win in Miami, he would complain about not getting enough carries or, or something. So there is a lot of... Uh, concern I can that you can make for this but overall it's a it's a risk the Eagles had to take a fourth round pick for a guy who could be a very well franchise running back it's a very well risk made uh, made in my opinion 
I don't think it's a bad risk at all. Even if even if he turns out to not be much, I feel like a fourth round pick for someone who right now has the potential to be an elite running back. Um, in terms of like becoming like a franchise running back, I feel like he could, but I feel like he definitely is going to need the support of like obviously his teammates, and I feel like that's something that the Eagles have really thrived in. And it's kind of surprising, like, they're probably one of the, kind of like the Falcons last year, I, n- nobody picked the Falcons to make the Super Bowl, that's what they ended up doing, I feel like that's been the Eagles this year, they've, they've kind of rose up to be, rose, risen up to be one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best, and I could see how you can make a case for them being the best, and I feel like it's almost undeniable that they are, and if I was an Eagles fan, I would have to be excited, because the... Carson Wentz in only his second year has looked absolutely dominant. Like he he looks he, like he is almost in MVP form, and I feel like you know Philly has a lot of good things coming their way soon. Like obviously today, like Howie Roseman has made some of the best moves I've ever seen as a GM. Not only that, but Doug Peterson has. I I really applaud Doug Doug Peterson in the in the way that he he really can inspire. Not really inspire, but. Pretty, he, he places his team he, in position I, I to win. I see where you're going with this. And, I, and what he really has been able to do is he's taken all of the media. They were all the before the year, even in the first few weeks of the year, they're really criticizing everything that he's done. And what he's done is got the locker room to believe in this team. And they all believe in each other. And those players in that locker room, once they start believing in each other, that's that's a dangerous and scary thing for other teams. Because once you believe... A common saying is that if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to believe in you. And if everybody believes in you and you believe in you, then that's a freaking that's a scary combination. Look at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a team when they won the Super Bowl, they're the most confident team. They believe in themselves more than anybody. They believe they were the best team even when nobody picked them to win that Super Bowl. And that's just a classic example of you know confidence is really key. And right now, the Eagles are the most confident team in the NFL. I think. I definitely could. They definitely are because. The way that they've been able to just kind of turn around, like, even when they lost to the Chiefs, it just feel like they, they kind of, it like, set a fire underneath them. And they almost even won that, that game, too. It came down to a no, Hail Mary. That game, like, that game was a close game. So it, it took a collapse in the fourth quarter, and Wentz made a couple of bad throws. But he's, you know, he's only a second-year quarterback. That's going to happen. He definitely, one problem, one issue that I think he still faces is kind of overshooting people, but... One thing that I have noticed that he has ve- like really excelled in this year, he's been so much better in the red zone. I don't I I last year whenever he was in the red zone, it seemed like he would sail passes a lot more often, but now it just seems like this year he's he's actually been on the money in the red zone and I feel like and that's one of the ways he's It feels like everybody in the offense has really taken a big step. Everybody's getting the ball, everybody's, you know, everybody has a big part. Even Nelson Aguilar this year with a bounce back year. Obviously, he didn't start out well in Philadelphia, but right now he's looking like one of the better wide, uh, slot wide receivers in the NFL. Exactly, and, and I feel like uh, you have to give Doug Peterson credit for that because he's he's really put his like last year. I know they would try to play Aguilar at the second receiver because they really didn't have anybody else, but I feel like now Doug Peterson can actually put his players in in position to actually win you know win their games, and that's what they've done. Like it's what that. Although he he gets criticized for being a pretty conservative coach, but this year you know he's let Carson air it out a little bit more, and obviously look where Aguilar has been with that. Like he has been absolutely burning people down, and that that's what he did at USC. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's a college yeah, he, he went to. He was, he was a, a big deep threat when he was in college at USC. But the one 
we obviously we need to move on. So it's all on Jay Ajayi if he wants to to turn this to turn his career around. He has a fresh start now with a team who's really rolling, and there's a lot of leaders that can help him out. And you know, I I believe the Eagles do have a lot of leaders that they're they're going to help this guy lead him in the right path. But it's only his choice if he goes in the right path or not. Exactly. And now we're going to head on to the NFC East rival Cowboys, who got the news today that Zeke Elliott will be serving his six-game suspension starting now. And they tried to do it, uh, an appeal today, uh, an emergency appeal, but with that also got denied. So now it is official, Ezekiel Elliott out six weeks. And I, feel like, gonna... I, feel like, I feel like without Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys, like I feel like they're obviously still going to win some games, but I, I feel like they really are not going to be, like I know obviously Zeke is someone who is, he is an elite running back, but... I feel like even without him, even with with their offensive line, they can have anybody running back there. But I, you're gonna have to see Dak step up. Dak is gonna have to step up and make bigger plays because if Zeke is like he obviously controls that offense. Like obviously, I I believe Dak is a very good quarterback. But like Zeke is the prime epitome. You know, he he is the corn of the cob. Corner of the crop on that uh, <laughs> on that offense, but um, <laughs> but uh, I feel like with their offensive line, they can have many running back there that will still like change up the game and will still allow them to mix up their play calls. And I feel like Jason Garrett, he knows what he's doing. Like he before they drafted Ezekiel Elliott, they still knew what they were doing with their running backs. So um. You know, there was even talk today about DeMarco Murray heading to the Cowboys again, but that obviously yeah, fell through. That was, uh, that was obvious. I think that was a false rumor. But, you know, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm not worried about the running game or the offense. I believe, uh, honestly, Alfred Morris is an experienced back. He's been to the Pro Bowl. He's been sitting there on the shelf, and he's waiting, waiting to get the ball. And I, I, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm not worried more about the offense. I'm worried about that defense because that defense is awful. That defense and, is just putrid like absolutely yeah. putrid the fact that they were able to, to lose all those players uh, from last year it's really hurt them and you know they say defense wins championships offense may be good during the regular season but if you don't have a good defense in the, in the postseason then you ain't going anywhere and they they to me they they're all in on offense more than they are on defense and that's that's a big factor but going back to Zeke Elliott himself let's discuss the situation a little bit and the Cowboys have tried to draw out this as long as they possibly can for whatever reason. I don't know that they would have just let it go earlier. This would all be done and we wouldn't be talking about this anymore. But, and well now finally that the suspension is happening. It's happening at their most crucial stretch of the season, seeing as they're behind the Eagles by three games right now. And now they have, they're going to face Kansas city this week at home without Zeke Elliott. So they're playing a team, a Kansas city team that's, Top five in the NFL. They obviously started off the last team to be on uh, to not to be defeated. So they started off the season really well. They're playing really well. They got to face a top rushing uh, top rusher, and I don't know how they're going to stop him. In um, in, uh, what's his name? Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. Thinking of Spencer Ware, but uh, you know it's something like this. The Cowboys are just in a mess, and they they got themselves into this mess. By the you, you should have just kept the in the beginning of the season. They shouldn't. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, he's just started getting it going now at this part of the season, and now he's gone. So, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm worried. I would definitely, um, 
I feel like he definitely deserves a suspension. I mean, even if even if his whole domestic violence case wasn't, you know, you know some people believe that it oh, yeah. wasn't exactly. We don't really know what happened, but most some people just don't want to admit. Okay, the guy did something a little bit ridiculous, but it's because he's a young, rich kid. So what do you think he's gonna do? That's just that's just what happens. He's he's not mature enough to realize that he made a mistake, and he's just drawing it out as long as he possibly can. Yeah, and he's yeah. never really um he's never really opened up about it either. So. I don't think he really... I'm not going to say whether or not I think he did it or I think he did it, didn't, but I feel like he's definitely getting what he deserves because, I mean, he's he's been kind of a knucklehead before, so I feel like getting, just get the six games out of the way, let's get this over with, I'm tired of hearing about this, let's say rest in peace to all the Ezekiel Elliott fantasy teams, and uh, let's just move on from this and... and it, yeah, if he did, he did it. I mean, there's nothing we can do at this point, but nobody knows what happened. At this point, it's, nobody exactly knows, you know, who's in the right, who's in the wrong, because we weren't there. But he's going to serve the six-game suspension. There's nothing. We, there's nothing that can happen. There's, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, not anymore. Um, all right, what's all right our next? so let's move on to I have a I have a question here, Bryn. So um, we have we had a bit of a shocking trade yesterday. We had Jimmy Garoppolo getting sent to the 49ers for a second round pick. So where do you think this leaves the Patriots? Where do you think this leaves the 49ers? You know, the Patriots are a team now that they weren't going to be able to pay Garoppolo after this coming season because his contract is up after this year. The guy has two Super Bowl rings and hasn't had to play it down. He's played two games in, in the NFL. He started two games. He only finished one of those games. but He's technically tied for second in the league for most Super Bowl rings, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's really cashed in. But now he'll head to a San Francisco team, which I know most people are going to want to see him be dominant as soon as he comes in. But honestly, with that roster, that's not going to happen. I'm so, I'd be surprised if, they, if he even plays anytime soon because – Clearly, if you watch that one, um, which we might be posting this right now, and uh, we can show them that that uh, video of uh, the, the 49ers offensive lineman who just tags the Eagles player. I don't know if you want to throw in Jimmy Garoppolo to an O-line that blocks like that. Yeah, that, and that's very, very true. Um, but in terms of, I feel like we'll definitely see him. I, I'm pretty, I don't think he's expected to play this week, but I'm pretty sure you will see him against the Giants. I feel like... They really want to get him out there because if you think about it, they only they're they're 0-8, so I mean they're not going anywhere. They don't have a chance to make the playoffs. They know that they know that. But I feel like they, what they want to do, and this is I feel like this is very, very wishful thinking. In, instead of taking a quarterback with their number one overall pick, this is actually a lot smarter than it's like than a lot of people give it credit for. Instead of taking a quarterback with what is probably going to be their number one overall pick. I feel like what they want to do is give Jimmy Garoppolo a chance to like try out and see if does he deserve like a a fourteen million dollars a year type kind of contract maybe like something. I don't. I don't. I don't think they'll give him something like that. I think they'd start him off. They might even very well give him a one year contract to prove it kind of a deal like they get Kirk Cousins because as you can see, if you look at the Eagles roster going back to them. Well, a lot of those players on one-year contracts really have the motivation. If they want to make the big bucks, they better start performing, which for a quarterback, it'll really prove if he's really any good or not. So Jimmy Garoppolo might be coming back on a one-year deal. 
Uh, I, I wouldn't rule that out at all. The thing and, is, like, I, I, I could definitely see that happening as well. But I could also see him getting signed to, like, a, a very good deal. If, if he actually plays well, I could see him getting, like... If he if he does something like 21 touchdowns, something of that sort, and then like obviously not obviously not a lot of interceptions, I feel like he could be getting somewhere around like 17 million dollars a year. Like I could actually see that happening. Or I, I guess, I, one thing I do look at though, if you think about that, is their new GM John Mitch has done an, an amazing job so far. I really think they really did get a, a few players, and they basically, if you think about it, they kind of got Jimmy Garoppolo for free because. That second round pick that they gave them was the pick they got from the Bears, um, the, this past draft that, that got the Bears uh, Mitch Trubisky trading down one spot and got a second round pick. So in reality, you could basically say that they got Jimmy Garoppolo for free. And it still Lynch is like a second a round pick that was given up. He's seen Lynch is a smart guy. He's seen uh, what happened with Brock Osweiler. You see how he was a backup and then got paid all that money and then wasn't. <laughs> And, you know, it's fair to say that if I'm a GM, I'm not giving a guy a big contract and not really know off, off of how much Garoppolo has played so far. I'm not giving him a big contract right off the bat. Well, my like, the flaw with that there is, like, if he comes in and he's playing well, he's winning games, I feel like to get your starting quarterback, if you have someone that you are totally, like, you feel is destined to be the starting quarterback of your franchise... You really, you, they just, you need to give them the money to do it because that's that's just how the NFL works nowadays. You have to pay to get, you obviously get your your players to you know stay in your uniforms. But if he comes in and he's playing well, and you know he's, many people say he's had questionable decision making, which if you watch his film, he has. But I feel like if he's coming in playing well, I I could definitely see him getting a six-year, $100 million deal. Like, And I could also see him getting, like, the opposite of that, like a one-year, you know, you know, prove that you're actually our guy kind of deal. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's a 50-50 odds at which one could happen, but I feel like I could see more of the 49ers saying, hey, let's lock this guy up. But I could also see John Lynch say. If Jimmy G does not play well, I could also see him saying, you know, let's let's just give him a prove yourself deal. And hey, if it doesn't work out, potentially dealing him away or just releasing him and letting him run out of his contract. Yeah, but one thing that I want to say to 49ers fans is don't expect him to come out and be Tom Brady right now. Okay, this team is nowhere near in contention of anything and has any real pieces. Their offensive line not the best. Their wide receiving core is they got Pierre Garcon and that's about it. So they're a very much a team that's in the rebuilding phase. So don't judge Garoppolo based on his performance too much this year, seeing as he's learning a whole offense and playing with that roster. I feel like with I, I totally agree with that. I think I, that's a good point. But I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo, in terms of like his receiving core, I feel like his top two options are going to be Pierre Garcon and George Kittle. But that's where we're going to close off for Jimmy for Jimmy G. And uh, the last guy we're going to go over is just real quick. We don't really – this one doesn't need much ex- explanation. How do you feel about Kelvin Benjamin getting sent to the Bills? Kelvin Benjamin was, I thought, in his rookie year, in his first couple of years, was one of the more dominant wide receivers. And I thought, oh, my God, we got a guy like Calvin Johnson coming out here. The guy is, is a big target. He can 
he really helped out Cam Newton, and uh, now all of a sudden, this past year, he was kind of uh, overweight almost, like he had not been taking care of himself, and a lot of the, from what I got out of it, is the Panthers' front office didn't really like him, and they were not going to re-sign him after this year, so they got whatever they could for him, and I know that uh, several Texas or several Panthers players aren't very happy about it. Uh, Thomas Davis even tweeted out saying "bruh" and then put like a a sad face kind of a thing going there. Um, he clearly he he's a this year I thought he was having a pretty good year, but I guess the coaching staff wasn't too happy with him or something. Somebody didn't like him, and that's why he's now with Buffalo Bill. And the well, Bills, on the other hand, we think about it from their perspective. They traded away Sammy Watkins. He didn't work out for them. He plays for the Rams now. He hasn't exactly blown every, blown everybody away either. But, um, you know, the Bills, they're a surprise team this year, 5-2 and two, surprisingly. And they just tra- they, they, they actually made a trade of themselves last week. They traded away Marcel Darius, one of the better defensive tackles in our league, for a six-round pick, which is another shocking trade that not a lot of people talked about really. Um that Jaguars it's defense. Like they were really insane. sellers, but then they all of a sudden come out and buy Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, we'll see how it works out. Tyrod Taylor is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league, and from what I got out of understand is they don't really give him a lot of credit. He doesn't really exactly have the best, uh, I guess uh, you would say, wide receiving core, but now it's bolstered with Kelvin Benjamin. They had Jordan Matthews, who obviously they got for the Eagles for Ronald Darby in the beginning of the season. But Tyrod, if you watch him, he's a pretty – he can stand in there, and the offensive line has has, has been okay, and that's why they're five and two. Sean McCoy playing pretty well as well. That's just another weapon in their offense. We'll see how it turns out. I'm not sold on the Bills just yet at five and two, but we'll see how it turns out. In terms of Kelvin Benjamin, I feel like I don't I don't really know if it's a reason as if like oh they didn't like him. I feel like he's someone who is, has been kind of inconsistent. He struggles getting away from receivers. He's struggling. Like obviously, he's a big body kind of guy, but uh, he doesn't. Really, he he's not really good at separation, uh, and I feel like that's kind of something that the Carolina Panthers they, they want in the receivers. Like obviously, they have speedsters like Curtis Samuel, but I I feel like they also didn't want to resign him for that reason. Like maybe they just don't think he's that skilled. Which I could I could honestly see because he has not been a very consistent wide receiver. He's had a little bit of problems with injuries. He obviously, as I said, has trouble cre- has trouble creating separation. But in terms of the Bills, I feel like with their wide receiver court, someone tweeted out earlier that that he was like the thir- third or fourth best wide receiver, which I think is totally untrue. Because. You know- he has been struggling in the past few seasons, but this year so far, I mean, he's not a touchdown every game, but he's a guy who is definitely a deep threat with his size and athleticism. And he, he did lose some weight. And I don't, Kelvin's a guy who, when he's in shape and he's on his game, he's one of the better wide receivers. I don't agree with the tweet that he is one of the best wide receivers, but he's definitely a pretty solid one. Uh, you know, they didn't get – what did they give up, a third round for him? No, the, they gave up – um. Let me go look at. Let me go look this up, guys, real quick, because I, I'm. I, I feel like many people enough. say it was a really bad trade for the Panthers because they really didn't get much. I think they gave up like a third and a fifth. I'm pretty sure. Let, let's check this out. Hopefully, this does not start playing. Hold on, this is gonna start playing. No, do not start playing. Um, 
And it looks like... Uh, judging from this... It should say somewhere towards the bottom or something. Okay, so... Uh, the Carolina Panthers dealt top wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin to the Buffalo Bills for a third and seventh round pick in 2018. Yeah. Liberty Mutual Panthers stood with me really when this guy got a flat this, tire in the middle like, of I the night. I can already tell that they did. But you could think of it that way, but at the same time, if they weren't going to re-sign him, getting anything for him was a... Uh, a, a good thing because even if it is a third rounder, it's still something. Yeah, it's still, it's still an opportunity also, to get some talent. But with the Rocca or the Rocca's wire, Jimmy Garoppolo trade was the, the I said the Patriots weren't going to resign him, so that's why they had to get something for him. Yeah, I, that, that that could definitely be true. That was actually one of the more and. Now we're going to have go on to a little bit more of a funnier story as uh, we talk about the Cleveland Browns <laughs> who were able to make a trade with the Cincinnati Bengals but were not able to get the trade in time because they were apparently celebrating that they made the trade for A.J. McCarron from the Bengals and forgot to call into the league and tell them, hey, we made a trade. And well, actually, forever, I've heard that someone actually made that story up, but that 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 entire whole situation has just been kind of foggy. Like it, I've heard it, many, it, like it really fits a Cleveland Browns type of season, though. It really so. does, but I I hear many people saying that that's not even actually what happened. But I mean, honestly, I just want to hear something from the NFL because I mean, every every anybody can make up anything, and many people are saying that was made up. But in terms of the actual like overall. I don't know how you fail at that because, but apparently, um, uh, they were going to give up two middle round picks, like a second and a third rounder for AJ McCarron, who has not shown a lot of skill. That would have been more than what Jimmy Garoppolo had pretty much been traded off for. But I kind of see why. I, I I see why that they would that they wanted wanted to give up an extra third rounder because. Uh, AJ McCarron is on a longer deal, and they would have another season to actually be, decide if they want to resign him or not. But AJ McCarron is someone who I just hasn't think showed a lot of skill. But that's pretty much it for Jimmy G. Like that's that's all we can really talk about. That I mean. Now we're gonna head Calvin off to Benjamin. I mean Calvin Benjamin. What's our next? Uh, we got the. So uh, uh, after this, I think we'll just end this pot, end this episode off, and when when we get our next uh, our next uh, you know person who's usually going to be on this podcast most of the time, uh, we'll, we'll make this a little bit longer, but this one's only going to be about 30 minutes, so our thir- let's, the last thing we're going to discuss is the Thursday night matchup between the Jets versus the Bills. Brennan, give me a score prediction and give me a uh, give me a Gruden grinder. <laughs> a Gruden grinder, per se. Um, I'm going to go Bills win this one. Bills are the more better team, I think. Uh, the Jets are obviously a team that's rebuilding. They're a surprise team that they even have three wins. But I'm going to say the Bills win this one at a score of 28 to 10, and my Gruden grinder will be Tyrod Taylor. So, all right, all right, I like it, I like it. Um, I think this one's going to be a tough one to predict. Let me look at this now. So, according to this, uh, it's the game is in Buffalo. So Buffalo, or no, no, the game is in New York. So New York has home field advantage. I think I'm going to have to take New York in this one simply because they've actually been a pretty good team at home. Josh McCown think, has actually think, been pretty good this year. Something I think you're missing out on is that the, the Jets don't have a lot of fans that attend their game, so every game is like an away game. for. Them. Yeah, but I, I feel like I feel like they still, like, 
I just feel like there are a lot of there are a better team at home. But my Gruden grinder for this game for the Jets, this might be a little bit of a surprise, but my Gruden grinder will be Robbie Anderson. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go out on a absolutely wild um, prediction here. I think the Jets will win this one by a score of 24-17 to 17 over the Bills. But I think Robbie Anderson will have 150 yards and two touchdowns. That is my bold prediction. Bold prediction from O'Brien. Bold O'Brien. Yep. All right. Do you think that's a good spot to end it? I, I think that's a I think that's a good solid spot. All right, guys. So I hope you enjoyed the first episode of this podcast. We don't really have a name for it yet, but we we if you want to know what we discussed, we discussed obviously the NFL trade line. People involved in that. We discussed a little bit on Zeke's court case. Uh, we discussed the Thursday night matchup, and uh, that's pretty much it for this one, guys. That's gonna be it for this first podcast episode. I hope I hope it's something that you guys can enjoy and listen to. Um. I'm going to try and get this up onto Apple Podcasts. I'm going to try and get... We're obviously going to upload an episode up to up onto YouTube and then obviously up onto SoundCloud. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And uh, we'll have one out soon.